Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm joined with Sharon Vannon, who is a holistic nutritionist and lawyer with a niche law practice called Thrive Legal Care. So Sharon's on today to talk all about the key legal fundamentals to starting up your nutrition business. And we're just going to have a really open conversation about some of the most common questions she gets from nutritionists when they're just starting their business and some of the legal things you need to consider when just getting started. So let me tell you a bit about Sharon. So as I mentioned, She is a lawyer with a law practice called Thrive Legal Care, and she also has a legal template shop called the TLC Soros, which is exclusively for health and wellness practitioners and entrepreneurs, including nutritionists. So Sharon has 15 years of legal experience in healthcare, plus firsthand experience as the owner of three businesses in the health and wellness industry. Her mission is to simplify the legal side of running your nutrition business so you can practice with more ease, empowerment, and enjoyment. And I do know that Sharon is also a nutritionist, so I'm really excited to get her input on what it's like to, you know, be a nutritionist and also be a lawyer and know both sides. So welcome to the podcast, Sharon. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Stephanie. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. You know, legal and law is not my specialty. I'll be the first to say that. So having you here to help us navigate this conversation is is really great. So um, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on, you know, what kind of like um, drove you to take your nutrition schooling and then, um, you know, when did you graduate, all of those goodies? And then also like, how did you then shift your nutrition practice into like helping nutritionists and other entrepreneurs in the wellness industry with their, their legal? Mm. I attended the Institute of Holistic Nutrition and I graduated in July. I finished my classes in July 2021. So I'm a pretty recent grad and I came to nutrition school after being a lawyer for almost 15 years and I worked exclusively in the healthcare sector. So I did a lot of work in hospitals. I did a lot of work with healthcare professionals, healthcare professional regulation, health policy, all sides of it. And I enjoyed it. And it was what I was really passionate about for my whole career. And then I came to a point where I had um, just kind of a, a turning point and I had an opportunity to reflect on the next chapter of my life and what I was going to do. And I wanted to do something where I could connect with people more on a one-on-one basis because my work in law was really working at a system level. So I got to help people by helping the system, but I was really craving a deeper connection and working on a more holistic level. And I've always loved health and wellness. I've always been drawn to that world and I love nutrition. I have a background in health science. So, um, you know, when I had this whole wide vista open, I thought, you know, where am I going to go next? And um, nutrition school 
seemed to be the path for me. And that door opened and I jumped right in. And um, I really thought that I was going to carve out a new trajectory for myself as a nutritionist. And I didn't know a lot about what that world was all about and what it really took to get a practice up and running. And you don't learn a lot about the business side when you're in school and you really don't learn a lot about the legal side. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to specialize in and how I was going to make that happen, I found myself in this position where I was really grateful that I had a legal background because it really did make it a lot easier for me to navigate the ins and outs of business and understanding insurance and understanding what you need to do legally to build the foundation of a strong business. And um, it turns out that (laughs) my friends and colleagues realized the value of of this um, body of knowledge as well. And when people realized that I, I was coming from the world of law, they started asking me questions for their own practice. And I started answering questions. And I realized that um, there really is a need for nutritionists when they're just starting out, or even when they're, you know, well established in their practice, there aren't a lot of resources out there to help this sector. And it kind of occurred to me that I could somehow marry my healthcare background with my new career as a nutritionist. And one thing led to another, and I decided that I was going to open up a legal practice. And that's what happened. I launched it in December 2021. And it's going really well so far. That That's, that's my story to this point. I love it. And you know what? It's so well needed. Like we need you because a lot of us have no idea what we're doing with the legal, as I mentioned in the intro and, um, you know, having a really trusted source, someone that gets nutrition, who gets, you know, what, what we can and can't do. And you can help to keep us in line and really give us that path to move through, um, to feel like we have our foundation super solid, which is so important. Um, and I know trips up a lot of nutritionists, um, not knowing, you know, should they pick, you know, sole proprietor over incorporated or should they get insurance and, you know, all of the different things I know we're going to talk about today. So, you know, I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing and I think you're going to, um, do really well in this industry, you know, helping the helper. Mm, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm excited and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm really happy to be that support for everybody. Awesome. I'm happy too. Okay, so let's dig into all things legal fundamentals. I know so many people have questions. I know you've gotten a lot of questions also, like you mentioned, probably just from the other students in your class. So mm-hmm. let's <laughs> break down what some of these common questions are. And yeah. I know the first one that you mentioned you get a lot is like um, how to choose the appropriate business structure. So what do you mean by business structure and what are these? And then how do we choose which one is best for us? Right. So when you start a business, you need to identify a type of structure. So your business is actually its own entity. And you in Canada, so I'm going to, I'm a licensed to practice in Ontario, so I can only advise on the laws of Canada. So that's going to be sort of the framework that I'm talking about. So in Canada, you have to select a business structure. And what most people do in uh, the nutrition world is often when they start out, they choose to go into business as a sole proprietor, which means it's just you, you are um, kind of holding yourself out as 
you're the business. There's really no separation between you as a person and you as your company. You're one in the same. And that's a great structure for a lot of people when they start out because it's very simple. There's really no formality to creating that. You really just apply through your province. And in Ontario, for example, it's like $65. So it's a pretty low barrier to entry. You don't have to do anything formal to register your name. You don't even have to have like a business name. You can use your own personal name if you like. And you don't have to do anything special when it comes to taxes because all of your earnings as a nutritionist when you're a sole proprietor, it's simply taxed as your personal income. So that is one of the things that makes it very easy to be a sole proprietor. But the flip side is that some of those things can um, present some challenges or maybe they're not the ideal situation for you. And one thing that I should say right off the bat is when you are considering whether to select uh, a sole proprietorship or the other structure, which would be an incorporation. Mm -hmm. There's no one right or wrong way to go. It's so dependent on your personal situation. And you have to look at it from a wide angle lens. You want to think about what's going to meet your needs best now as a you know, sort of budding entrepreneur, and what's going to carry you through if you're taking that long game approach to your business. And then you also want to look at your own personal situation, your financial situation. If you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of personal assets, maybe you don't own a home or a vehicle or other kind of big ticket items, your risk is a little bit less than if you did have a number of assets on the line. So one of the challenges with being a sole proprietor, because you're not you're not legally separated from your business, that means your all of your personal assets are potentially at risk if you ever got sued because you don't have that shield of a corporation. So you and your business, one and the same, your personal liability is the same as your business liability. That could be worrisome for, for certain people, and it will depend on your personal risk tolerance and what's at stake for you. But those are some of the things to consider. So that's one structure. Then the other one that's the most common after a sole proprietorship for nutritionists is an incorporation. So when you incorporate your business, you go through a formal process and you have to apply through your province or federally at the, um, you know, for all of Canada. And you, there are quite a few more steps you have to take. You need to do a very thorough name search because you cannot have two corporations in Canada that have the same name. So you need to do a name clearance uh, search. Uh, it's quite a bit more expensive. It's several hundred dollars to apply to incorporate. And you also have to have what are called articles of incorporation. And this is sort of a legal document that you have drafted that sets out sort of the overarching structure of your corporation, who the owners are, who the shareholders are, the directors, the officers. So it, it introduces a little bit more complexity into the process, which for some people might be daunting right out of the gate. And so that's why I say, think about all of the factors that would matter for you. And then you can decide. And if you start off as a sole proprietor, you have the option of incorporating down the line, if, if that makes sense. And some people never incorporate because it just doesn't, doesn't make sense for them. They don't need to. But one of the things I always tell people is if you are going to incorporate, one of the 
the best things about that structure is that you personally are completely separate from your business. Incorporating creates an entirely new legal entity, which is really great from a risk management perspective because that way your personal assets remain entirely yours and the risk that the business is exposed to is simply what is in the business. So whatever assets and money and resources are within the business, you have that nice line of separation from your personal life. That was such a clear explanation and I appreciate it so much because I think there's so much mystery when it comes to the business (laughs) structure and what the best one is to pick. So I really appreciate that. That was just very, very clear. And I think you definitely talked to the pros and cons of both. Now, something I've heard, you know, even some guests we've had in the past and when we've talked about this idea of like, um, should you be sole proprietor? Should you become incorporated? Um, Sometimes people will recommend if you start with sole proprietor to incorporate around like the $80,000 mark in your business. Now, I'm not even sure if that is true or if that makes sense, but I just wanted to ask to get your opinion on that. Hmm. So it's not a one size fits all. And I actually haven't heard about a certain financial cutoff, but generally a rule of thumb is if you are starting out as a sole proprietor and you're at the point where you're making enough income, you can pay all your bills, pay off all of the business expenses and pay yourself, like you're making enough money to sustain the life that you want, and then you have additional revenues on top of that, that's when it makes good sense to switch over to an incorporation. Because when you're a sole proprietor, remember that all of your business revenue, you are paying personal income tax on that. So if you're making more money than you need to sustain your lifestyle, you're going to want to shelter some of that money in your corporation. So that's kind of my guideline for people is, have you hit that point where you're making more money than you need to cover your expenses? That's when, you know, then you're going to want to look. Yeah. 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 Thank you for explaining that a bit further. And just to clarify, it was, um, I should be clear that it wasn't like at $80,000, you have to incorporate, but I think exactly like you said that it's, you know, once you're making enough money personally and you have like maybe an excess of money that could be, like you mentioned, sheltered in the business that makes the most sense. So yeah, thank you for going through that again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to reiterate once again, it's so, so important that this is a really personal decision and you want to look at so many factors, um, you know, what your tax situation is like, if you have a partner, like a spouse and what their income is like, there's just, it's quite a complex analysis. So I just want everybody to uh, just, if you're worried that you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, you know, there really is no such thing. It's just what makes the best sense for you. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. Okay, so the next question we have is, um, what would, how would you choose the appropriate insurance for your business structure? So I know I've talked about here on here before, like, you know, when we go to nutrition school, sometimes our alumni associations, like, here's a great insurance for your practice, and it has, you know, XYZ included. So how do we know if that is enough for our um, business structure? And when should we maybe like outsource looking for insurance coverage? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think you should always approach it with um, 
sort of some curiosity about what's out there. And there are a number of insurance companies that do provide insurance coverage for nutritionists, and they're going to vary in price. And that will depend on the company, but it's also going to depend on your own particular needs. So again, everything comes down to what makes sense for you and your business. Now, the thing with insurance is that it's a really specific um type of thing where you have to have it match exactly what types of modalities you offer in your practice. Now, when you apply for insurance, the company will give you a pretty detailed questionnaire to fill out because they're trying to understand what do you do as a nutritionist? What kinds of risks might you be exposed to? Do you have clients only in your country of origin, your residence? Do you see people internationally? Do you practice in person? Do you practice virtually? Do you bring in other modalities like yoga or body work? So in um, our in our field in nutrition, there is a wide diversity of what your practice can look like, and that's going to shape the kind of insurance that you need. So again, it's going to look different for everyone. And so that's why it makes sense. Shop around, be really forthright and transparent about what your practice is going to look like, because here's the really, really important thing to know about insurance. It will only cover you for what you state on your application that you actually do. So if you are practicing out of your scope or you're practicing a modality that you're not insured for on paper, and if a client, God forbid, something goes wrong and they make a claim against you, if that claim relates to a service that is outside the scope of your insurance, your insurance will not cover you. That's why it's so important that it be a perfect fit for exactly what you do. Great advice. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And I guess to follow up on that, I'm curious if like, um, I think when I've last looked at one of those applications, sometimes it will say like, how much do you make or how much do you plan on making? And usually as a new nutritionist, you're like, you put like the smallest amount <laughs> because you're like, I'm not really sure, right? Yeah. Um, so would you also say that you know, if you're making more and if your business picks up and if you know you've like added more um, I guess like variation to your business, you should go back to your insurance company and just make sure that they're on the same page as you. Yeah, it is a really good idea. And I would say from the start, treat your, like when you're shopping around for insurance, remember that they're there to serve you. So ask them a lot of questions and build a relationship. Like whoever you land on to provide your policy, get to know them, tell them about what you do, because you want to feel confident that they're giving you the right level of protection, that your premium, you know, is, is in line with what you're looking for and what you need. So I just say, ask lots of questions. Remember that they are in the business of helping you and really like use them as an ally in your, in your practice. And yes, as your practice evolves, if you change your scope, if you add on new modalities or you go from one-to-one -one service to group service, make sure you are having that conversation with your insurance provider so that they can adjust your policy as needed because you never want to get caught with a policy that doesn't fully cover you for what you offer. Mm, great advice. Yes. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Ready to start your nutrition business, but have no idea what steps you need to take? 
No problem. That's exactly why I've created a completely free workshop for you called Six Steps to Start Your Nutrition Biz and Sign Your First Paying Clients. In this on-demand workshop, I'm sharing my six-step roadmap to starting a successful nutrition business without a huge social media following or years of experience. I'll also share the top three mistakes I see most new nutritionists making when starting their business and how to avoid them, and the must-have tools you need to run a successful nutrition business and wow your clients from day one. Oh, and did I mention that the workshop is completely free? Sign up at stephanielong.ca slash workshop and get instant access right now. Okay, so at this point... We have, you know, um, chosen our business name and the business structure, so potentially sole proprietor or incorporation, and then we have our insurance for our needs. Now, do we have the bare minimum set to um, start running our practice, or are we missing anything? Yeah, so those are really just kind of table stakes. So you need to have your business structure so that you can actually be in business. And then you need the insurance so that you are, you have a pool of funds. Actually, this is a good point. I want to, I want to just pause here for a moment, because here's something I think a lot of people don't realize. So what exactly does insurance do for you? So some people think that you need insurance to protect you legally. Insurance, actually, it's just a pool of funds in case somebody ever makes a claim against you. And let's say they decide to sue you. What insurance is, it is a pool of money that will cover your legal costs and cover any potential damages. Damages are like the amount of money that you might have to pay somebody if they won in a lawsuit. So that's what insurance gives you. It's it's that money so that it doesn't have to come out of your own pocket. What insurance doesn't do for you is it doesn't reduce your legal liability. It's still up to you as the nutritionist to be practicing within your scope, to be practicing in a way that is high integrity, that you're service oriented, that you're legally above board. So I just really wanted to clarify that because I think that there's um, just maybe some misunderstanding or not, you know, not a lot of, um, we don't really talk about this. Like what exactly is insurance? So just wanted to clarify that. But yes, so once you have your business structure and your insurance, one thing that I say is a must um, when you're in business is you need to have, there's a number of legal agreements that you should have. So legal agreements, it's another way of saying legal contracts, or there's some of them are policies. And the reason you want to have these is because this is a formal way of having um, your rules of engagement in writing so that everything is crystal clear and anyone that you're working with knows exactly what they can expect from working with you. And that can be uh, whether that is a client or whether that is someone you hire as an independent contractor or someone you hire as an employee or a collaborator, whomever you're doing business with, you always want to formalize those relationships with a very solid legal agreement that protects both sides. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And would we also so going into that agreement or kind of contract space now, would we also want to have a contract like, um, obviously, we talk about medical disclaimers in school. So you know, like being very clear, I'm not a medical doctor, I am not XYZ, here's my scope. So having a a document or agreement that says that then also would we have like an agreement that goes through like, 
um, the client expectations or what they can expect from you as a practitioner and like payment structure and cancellations and refunds? Like, is that something very key and cornerstone that you should have as well? Yes. So I I like to recommend to people a few key legal agreements and you touched on some of them. So you had said, you know, often we hear about a disclaimer. What a disclaimer is, is it's it's a statement that sort of sets out the parameters of what you do as a nutritionist and what you don't do. And this is really important because nutritionists have a scope of practice and it is limited to certain things um, based on what our training is and we don't want to overstep that. And so it's so important to clarify that for our clients, what we can and cannot do. We also want to put a a disclaimer if you have a website. So anyone who visits your website, you want to make it really clear to them. Not only are you bound by your scope of practice as a nutritionist, but you also want to make it really clear that when somebody comes to your website, they're not a client of yours, right? Because anyone in the world can visit your website and you have to make it really clear to them that... I have information on my website that's geared to health and wellness. I share information about nutrition, but it's not directed at you personally. And I'm not your nutritionist. And so you have to use whatever information I'm sharing at your own discretion and risk. And what that does is it helps put clear boundaries around how your information is intended to be used. And it puts the onus on your website visitor or your client to understand that there are limits to that information and that they have to accept some of the responsibility in how they use that information. So that's a waiver. I'm sorry, that's a disclaimer. The next agreement that is important is a waiver. And related to a waiver is a consent form. So I'm going to talk about both of those because they are two different things and they are both potentially important to nutritionists, but you might not necessarily need to have both of them. So I'll explain why. So a consent form is what you would give to your client to make sure that they fully understand all of the treatment offerings, all of the modalities that you can provide them and what all the risks are and what all the benefits are. And the reason we do this is because for number one, number one, consent is required by all healthcare practitioners in Canada. So it's a legal requirement. And the reason that it is required by law is because we value personal autonomy so much that we have to formalize it through a legal process. And we want to make sure that anyone who's coming to us for service We're basically saying to them, I respect you and your choice to make decisions about your body and the kind of care you receive. So I'm going to lay everything out for you and I'm going to let you choose to have some of what I'm offering, all of what I'm offering, or none of what I'm offering. And so then you would get them to sign a consent form. So that's really important. A consent form is what you would use when your practice looks kind of like a clinical healthcare style of practice. So this is for the nutritionist. Maybe you are analyzing tests and you're making recommendations based on the test findings, or you might even be doing some hands-on analysis. Maybe you're doing kinesiology testing, those kinds of things. So the closer your practice looks like clinical healthcare, the more important it is for you to use a consent form. 
And then we have on the other side of the spectrum, we have nutritionists who are doing consulting or coaching or their practice is very education oriented and they're not really doing hands-on modalities or they're not, maybe they're not even creating protocols. They're really just advising people. So when your practice looks more like that, that's when it's appropriate for you to use a waiver. And then if you're somewhere in the middle, if you do a little bit of the clinical side and a little bit of the consulting side, you can have a hybrid of both a consent form and a waiver. Wow. Lots to consider. And again, you know, I'm just so so thankful for this episode where you're really just breaking down so specifically like what a nutritionist would need because you're very educated on like the scope of (laughs) what we're doing. So thank you for um, really, you know, um, nailing each one of those pieces down. And um, I guess this is a good time to actually just for a second, like people are probably wondering, well, you know, this seems like a lot of different forms or waivers or contracts, like how do I create these? So maybe just for a second, do you want to talk about your template shop and what people might find in there? Yes, thank you. Yes, I am going to be launching very soon, any day now, my template shop. It is called the TLC Source, and it is a one-stop shop for all of these legal agreements and so many more. I basically have gone through all of the potential situations that come up in nutrition practice, and I've created a legal template for them. And these are legal documents that have been drafted by me, And what you do is you, I have created the structure of these uh, documents and you just fill in the blanks and you tailor them to your exact situation and you follow the instructions. I've laid out really clear instructions. All of my templates are written in plain English. I don't use legalese. I try to make things as clear as possible and I will explain every single clause in every agreement so you know exactly what its purpose is, what it means. And I also, because I know you have an international audience, I have two versions of every template that I'm selling in the shop. I have a version for Canadians, and I also have a version for Americans. And the American version, I had those drafted by a couple of U.S. lawyers. So we've got you covered all across North America. Um, So that's coming very soon. So I hope you check that out because it is a way for nutritionists to get the right legal documents for your practice at a much more affordable price point than if you were going to hire a lawyer to do custom drafting for you. Oh, absolutely. I've heard that many times that, you know, hiring a lawyer to do that or, you know, worse would be trying to write it yourself, assuming you (laughs) think you know what you should be writing, but um, that might not be the best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I just recommend it. Law is not DIY friendly. There's so many things in your business where, yes, it makes sense to bootstrap and you can save money by doing it yourself and learning new skills. Law is just one of those areas where it is so nuanced and you really do need to have um, real professional training behind you because there's too much at risk. You you know, have made that investment of going to school and you've worked so hard and you've studied and you've written your exams and you've built your business and you have, this is your livelihood. So you really want to protect it in the right way. And this is absolutely a time when you want to call in the pros. Mm, Okay. Yes, definitely. Good advice. (laughs) Okay. Lastly, in the last few minutes here, I would love to just go over maybe some like simple um, proactive steps people could take to avoid legal trouble or like, is there anything we should be doing like on the daily or on the monthly to keep ourselves in good legal standing? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked this because a lot of people think it takes a lot or it's very complicated to legally protect yourself. And one of my best pieces of advice for people is you can protect yourself first and foremost by being proactive. And that means practice with integrity, bring a sense of professionalism to what you do. Um, You know, you want to like, in terms of being proactive, the sooner you can get your legal ducks in a row, the better it is for you because you know that you are infusing your practice with the legal protection that you need. And that not only manages your legal risk, but it is such a load off. It's such a way to um, reduce the stress that you have. It can be really stressful to start out a new business, especially if it's a new profession Mm -hmm. for you. So once you've taken care of the legal stuff, it's a huge load off. And I think like that is really, I can't overestimate that. And people often say, they, you know, are so relieved once they have a proper lawyer drafted contract or they've come to me and they've gotten advice. It just, it just gives them such a sense of relief and they can go out and focus on doing what they love, which is helping their clients. So being proactive, you know, if you have legal questions, talk to somebody, whether that's me or another lawyer, we're here to help you and to give you that peace of mind. So in terms of being professional, these are these are all things everybody knows. So we want to be focused on our clients. We want to make our clients happy. And, you know, the ways we can do that are by being respectful, listening, being a good listener, being a good communicator, being cooperative, being um, supportive of your clients. And this doesn't really sound like it's legal oriented, but it actually is because when you treat people well and you are committed to meeting their needs, that is going to satisfy them. That's why they've come to you. And when when you're able to do that and be honest with them, that will make them feel good. And when people feel good about receiving service from somebody, when you have a good relationship with them, things go well. People often get into legal trouble when there's a relationship breakdown and a relationship can break down when there isn't good communication. If somebody feels they weren't respected or if they were being taken advantage of. So you always want to bring that sense of professionalism because it's not only the right thing to do, it's what's going to help you thrive in your business. And it's, it's what's going to help you have those really you know, strong and effective relationships with people. And we are in the people business as nutritionists. So it's always important to keep that at top of mind. And that usually will set you up for, you know, a lifelong career of good relationships, people who will rave about you and they'll refer other people to you. And you'll, you'll just always be in good standing with people. If you do that, just treat people well. Ah, I love that. That's so good to remember. And you're totally right. Like I, I mean, I always strive to be a good person. I think we all do, but I didn't really connect to that. Like, you know, legal trouble happens when we're not clear or when we're not, you know, delivering with integrity or maybe when we're not just transparent. And that can even come back to, you know, in your first intake session, like really setting down like the expectations for what they can expect from you, what you can expect from them and, and being very clear. Right. But sometimes we just don't make that a priority to share that information. And then you're totally right, Sharon. And then it might, you know, come back to um, bite us in the butt and, you know, we can kind of 
be proactive, just like you said, in, in stopping that from happening. Yeah. And it's, it's really the simplest way. And it's it like, it costs you nothing, right? You don't, ha- you don't need an expert to help you with this. You have, you already have these skills. So yeah, I just, I, I like to leave people with that because it's, it's really simple to do. Yeah. Such a great tip. Well, this has been super, super helpful. So clear. Thank you for breaking down these very common questions. Um, I feel like I learned a lot and I'm hoping everyone listening also did and just feels like very like, you know, like they can take action now because I think law can be confusing to be honest. So I think now you've just made everything a lot more clear. So um, before we go, can you just share with everyone uh, where they can find you, like your website, maybe social media. And then I also think you um, had mentioned to me, you might want to be offering a discount code for your templates when they launch. Yes, I'm so happy to offer a discount for the launch of the TLC source, my template shop. So I'll be sharing that with you and you can put that in the show notes and people can find me. The easiest way is on Instagram. I'm at legal TLC. So find me there and you'll also find the links to my legal practice, Thrive Legal Care and the template shop, the TLC source. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll make sure to share all of those in the show notes. And yeah, definitely hope that people can take your advice and get uh, feeling really uh, legally protected, you know, with your templates. So thank you again for sharing. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks, Stephanie. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.